Hi, everyone. Welcome to Entrepreneur Mind Speak. I'm Lauren with Creme Cement, a branding and packaging design agency, and my co-host, Natalie. Hi, my name is Natalie. I'm the founder of Cloud Create, an e-commerce and web development agency based in Tampa. And today we'd like to welcome Karen and Allison out of Umai. Um, they've helped brands go from zero to 12 million in revenue with their core three method of implementing social media marketing, social advertising, and email marketing. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank Thanks you for having us. Excited. We'd love to hear a little bit more about both of you. Absolutely. So my background is in e-commerce and media buying. I actually was the first employee for a very small, very small company there. It was just the founder um, and he would help uh, other entrepreneurs create their own businesses, tell them how to set it up, help them create the website, all that jazz. He hired me to do his marketing and mainly media buying on Facebook buying Facebook ads, I kind of fibbed on my <laughs> resume and said, oh, of course I know how to do that. Um, but he hired me and we quickly grew the business. Um, we like 10 X the business actually, and only a year. Um, so I just fell in love with media buying and marketing. And, um, we actually lived in Vietnam at the time we moved the company back to Austin and grew the team and happened to be down the road from Karen, who I knew from a previous job. Uh, so we worked basically a block from each other and would meet up for lunch. And that's really how Umai began. But I'll let Karen tell her story and kind of polish that up. <laughs> Uh, Allison usually forces me to tell it. So I love hearing her talk about it. I'm like, yeah, more of that. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's all very true. Uh, Allison and I met at our first jobs, like first real jobs out of college. And then she went to Vietnam and I took a job at Vital Farms. And I was, I think I was like their 10th employee or something like that. Um, so it was very small at the time. And grew it for the next few years, helped grow it, and then went to another high growth CPG in Austin, New Low Pet Food. And that was the job that was about a block away from Allison. And, you know, we were having sushi one day and it was kind of just like, oh, what are you doing now? Because she wasn't doing marketing before. And the marketing I was doing at the first job was very, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't very skilled. It was just a lot of like blog posts and social captions and just really basic things. And so, um, yeah, we just came together and took what we knew and ran with it and have been doing it for the past five and some change years and really enjoying it. Wow. That's amazing. And you have like employees and everything. So, so how fast did you grow this business? It seems like you did it really quickly. Yeah, well, you know, we are really lucky to be in a city that is a super CPG hub. So there's lots of ones across the country. You know, you think of San Francisco, New York, Chicago, Denver, or Boulder, and, you know, Austin is a major one. And my passion for CPG really started at Vital Farms. And Allison was like, ooh, that looks fun. You know, like it always looked fun to her and something that she could actually be interested in and get behind. And so we just kind of 
went really deep into the CPG niche. And we are lucky to have a really strong network in Austin and beyond. And so it kind of happened really, really quickly. People are often like, how, like, how'd you get started? Wow, what hard work? And it's like, yes, we definitely had a lot of hard work, but there was a lot of luck as well in terms of, you know, who we knew and um, the context we had, but it quickly happened where, you know, it was the two of us full and full time. And then we had one person join full time and that was the three of us for a little while. And then it kind of just grew and grew from there, but we have a small team and we like to keep it that way. And yeah, we've enjoyed the growth so far. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a really, really awesome success story to hear. What industries do you serve? What, I mean, you just mentioned CPG, but like, if you could get a little bit more specific and what level our business is at when they come to you? CPG is such, you know, a it's a broad spectrum of categories and niches. Um, so we service, you know, any physical product really. So, um, you know, we started really in the pantry and beverage space. We still play a lot in that space. Um, right now, you know, we're really loving the beauty space. We work with a lot of supplements, um, pharma adjacent type of companies. Am I missing anything, Karen? Oh, pet. Yeah. I mean, it's such a broad, broad space to play in, which keeps things really interesting and fun and continues to challenge us. Um, we've also done, I will mention one thing we've done a lot is baby. So baby foods, we are oddly really good on in the baby category and Karen and I both don't yet have children. So that's always been really interesting, uh, and funny to us that we play a lot in that space. Um, but in terms of brands that we serve, we've actually launched a lot of brands from inception, which is really fun to create that go-to-market strategy. And it allows us to really test um, and really define that messaging ourselves rather than being told, you know, who the avatar is, who the messaging, um, what the messaging should be. But we've also worked with brands that are public. So it really depends. Um, we just kind of decide together what projects we want to take on generally. Wonderful. And, and, um, being from the e-commerce background myself, obviously like the launch is huge, right? That's like such a big game to play and brands always want to have that amazing successful launch. And of course, having a wonderful website, that's kind of my department, but having the marketing side being flawless or like as perfect as possible is almost more important a lot of the times because you have that build up and everything like that. Um, so how would you say that you guys really help businesses achieve that since that is considered one of the harder things to do, especially those starting brands um, and even more so when you're dealing with brands that haven't maybe done it before. So you might have new founders that have a product that really they love um, and they don't know how to bring it to market successfully. What? Do, how can you guys help them? Yeah, I can start with that. Um, and I want to say thank you for your service for actually making websites that are not only beautiful, but convert. We can't really do our jobs if you know, your conversion rate is poor. So that is really important. I appreciate um, that. We do pride <laughs> ourselves there. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, um, to answer your question though, we, you know, we've done this specifically um, as an agency for the past five years with only CPG 
Karen has done it for longer working with really big CPG brands. So historically, we just kind of understand the channels that do work. And we really focus um, on foundational levers that build community, make revenue, and build brand awareness. So those are, you know, are really overarching goals. So the the levers that we see work the most with D2C CPG brands are going to be building community via social media. Um, that can be TikTok, that can be Instagram. If you're you know, your product really lends to an older generation that even could be Facebook. Um, and then on the paid side, we love playing with paid social because social ads really work well with CPG because things are so visual and you can bring in that social proof with people using the product in those ads. And then of course, email, um, email can really, you know, drive that community as well as that profitability. Um, so we're really big into, you know, building out um, really strategic email flows and campaigns. So, and then of course, influencers is huge for us to well, as well and gets you a lot of really great content and clout that you can use. So just knowing historically the channels that work. And then once we bring on a brand, just doing all of that deep dive and research and really understanding um, you know, their core customer, where they live on the internet, things like that help us decide where we want to start. And then we build out, you know, where we want to scale to. Talk to us a little bit more about how do you help brands get in front of influencers and also the best way to work with them, the costs that are involved. Um, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I'm happy to chat about influencers. And it's something that a lot of brands come to us talking about, right? They're trying all these things. Influencers is a little bit uh, more intimidating, I think, because you actually have to work with these people that have oftentimes a good following and have a, a really good reach. So it's like, you don't want to mess up relationships. And, you know, some brands get really, really lucky. I talked to a brand this last week, and I was asking about sales. I was shocked to hear what their monthly sales were because it didn't really match like the branding. It didn't match the website. I was like, oh my gosh, you're making how much a month? And, and we kind of got down to it and it was like, oh, well, it's because I have an influence. There's an influencer who loves my product and she always talks about my product and she tags it and links to it and her Amazon storefront, all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't tell you how incredibly lucky you are for that to have happened. And I, I say that I want to say that because this doesn't happen often, you know, out of the hundreds and hundreds of founders we talked to, this is the first time, maybe the second time that I've heard of an influencer of that scale, almost a million followers that is like openly, willingly preaching about a brand that's not getting paid for it. And so it's a lot of nurturing the relationships, right? So if you're not lucky like that, then you really need to nurture relationships. You have to form relationships with people before you ask them to do anything. I will say that any influencer partnership that you engage in where it's only transactional, there's a contract, it's, hey, spend $5,000 and I'll give you a post and a story. You are not going to see returns on that like 
you would want to. Of course, if you have the kinds of millions of dollar budgets where you can hire a Kardashian to be an influencer, yes, maybe you will get a return. Um, but if you are the smaller CPG, emerging CPG brands that we work with that can't afford those million dollar influencers, then you're going for people that are more micro, macro, under 100,000 around there. And you have to nurture the relationships. They have to like you to want to promote you authentically. And they have to like your product as well. So something we always talk about with marketing is building that no like trust with your customer. And that applies just the same to influencers. And so nurture the relationships, engage with them often, drop into their DMs, make comments comments, actually have conversations with them, and then send free product. That is always a given. Do a lot of influencer seating as much as your marketing budget allows. Send as much free product as you can. And then you'll be able to identify the people who actually like it. You know, did they post to their stories and link to your website without you having to pay them because they really did like it? Did they do an unboxing because they really liked your packaging? So like make it really personal when you do the influencer seating too. If you can't have branded boxing because I boxes and packaging, because I know it's expensive, like do branded tape and have a handwritten note inside of it that says, thank you so much and make it personal. Give them a reason to want to share it with their followers. And then from there, find the people that you think will be the best partners and then test out some paid partnerships if if you need to. So we recommend to our clients budgeting about $2,500 a month if they are going to be doing influencer marketing and um, trying to adjust accordingly uh, based on how many influencers you want to work with. So very long-winded, but that's pretty much everything that we do. Oh, that's fantastic. And I'm super curious, like within that 2,500, is that what you're paying the influencers? Is that the 2,500, what that's going towards? Or is that like also including the product, the free product that you're giving out? Like what, what is that 2,500 and how many influencers are typically, what is the range of influencers, number of influencers in that budget? Yeah. So you will find influencers that only ask for $500. You're going to find influencers that ask for 2,500 and it depends on what the results you think you're going to get back are. So we always recommend, you know, if you want to do affiliate partnerships, giving them that custom link, that custom code so that you can actually track how many people are using their code to visit your website. You can actually track the conversions of the people that do visit to purchase. Um, and so I would always recommend starting small. So if you can find some influencers that are on that $500 to $1,000 range and partner with them, make it a series. Don't do one-off posts or anything like that. Make it so that it sounds actually authentic from the person. They're posting a few times. They're linking a few times over the course of time. It's not just a couple days where they talk about you and never talk about you again. I'm not including product in that budget because different brands have different product, um, different price points. So when I say 2,500, that really is, you know, if you're really trying to do an influencer campaign and you're trying to reach as many people as possible, but of course, if you don't have that kind of budget and you can only do $500 and you want to find an influencer for 500, it just will take a little bit longer, right? So it depends on what time investment you have as well. 2,500 would probably be you know, for maybe somewhere between one and like five influencers. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Yep. Okay. 
Okay, great. And then there's also probably a number of influencers that would talk about your product in exchange for your product as well, right? Yeah. And so we used to see that a lot more now. Um, influencers and even content creators are getting a lot more savvy in terms of this is their business, right? This is how they make their money. Why would I talk about the product if I'm not going to get paid for it? And so that is a mindset of a lot of people, which I completely understand. You got to get that bag. Um, but there are some influencers that we work with for some of our brands that do it just for affiliate commission and do it because they really, really, really believe in the product. But again, that is far and few between you really have to work hard to build those relationships to be able to get to that point. And then of course, if they are good partners, then passing on a check once in a while is really helpful. So I want them to stick around, but I will say that more often than not, if you're really wanting to go into influencer marketing, seeding alone and sending free product isn't enough anymore. I think that's real eye-opening for a lot of people that are starting, you know, product-based businesses um, that might have not totally kept up with this part of the business, because I definitely know that some years ago, you know, people would blow up just from giving their products out and all that kind of stuff. But this is, it's definitely eye-opening and a very fast-paced kind of cultural change we've gone through there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm not saying that it, it wouldn't happen. We're all about testing. Um, you don't know until you try, but more often than not, it requires a little bit extra. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's someone's time after all. Um, how do you guys go about, obviously you mentioned the affiliate links, but beyond that, are there ways that people can actually measure their social media campaigns and see how their ROI is on them? Yeah. So if we're talking about organic social, it is really hard to track ROI for organic social and we never promise anything here. So um, a lot of it is trying to get as much traffic to the website as possible, getting people to click on your links, both in your bio and your stories um, for influencers, making sure that they're always using your affiliate links so that you can track their link clicks. Uh, but really a lot of it too is how much reach that people can get on their videos. And off, I say videos because it's oftentimes videos that have the biggest chance of exploding. If you're trying to look for dollar to dollar, organic social is not the place to do that. Uh, but with paid social, Allison, you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, with paid social, the the whole point is to attribute your your paid campaigns to see if they're making a return. So it will depend platform to platform. Um, most of our brands, we can get away with just using that platform's ad dashboard to attribute sales. We have a few other tricks up our sleeves to make sure that the attribution is spot on. Um, but you can also use third parties um, like uh, Triple Whale is a big one that a lot of people use. Obviously, Google Analytics is also a, a huge one. Um, that you can use and it's free as well. Is there like such a thing as going viral or an overnight product launch success? And then second question, like how long does it take for new products to be successful on social media? Yes, going viral is a thing. I'm sure it's defined in the dictionary. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. There is a thing as going viral. Um, in terms of an overnight product success, I mean, it depends. Depends. It depends. Have we seen it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, recently one of our brands, some random person, we don't even do influencer marketing for them. She's not even an influencer. She's just a normal human being 
whose post went viral on TikTok and their sales, they had the biggest sales day of their product lifetime, um, blowing their goals out of the water by like, I don't know, 20x. Um, and it is because of a viral video. It's so unpredictable that you cannot base your marketing strategy over viral content. Can you get lucky off of it? Absolutely. And you want that to happen as much as possible. But does it happen for everybody? No, it doesn't. So you need to have a really solid overall marketing strategy where you have a full funnel approach to try and get as many people interested and aware of your product in order to convert them because going viral doesn't happen for everybody. Um, yeah, and in terms of your second question, how long does it take for new products to be successful on social? It depends. It depends what the budget is. It depends about what marketing channels they're going after. It depends what their sales strategy is. It, it just depends on a whole lot of things. I will add to this, and this is very obvious. We all know this on this, you know, podcast, um, but the products or brands that we see blow up the most is the products that are disruptors they're very you know they have tons of differentiators and they're just really really good products so if you know you're the founder of this brand this product and you know that um, you did everything in your power to make your product stand out then you obviously are going to have a greater chance of something like this happening for someone picking up your product and absolutely loving it a lot of the times what I've seen, but granted, I am absolutely not uh, an expert in this area, but I've seen where um, products that are really for a specific niche seem to kind of blow up. Like those products that are like specifically for some, um, you know, sector of the population that might seem rather small, but it goes viral within that sector because it's so applicable to that niche of people. Do you find that you have better luck um, marketing within a niche like that? Or do you find that general marketing still is better because you're finding more people that way? Like, would you go for niche marketing or more general, I guess, is my question. That's such a good question. And it's something that we kind of have to like remove from some of the founders that we will work with that we don't do general to start. That's only after you're spending, you know, a hundred thousand dollars plus on advertising, then maybe we can go more general, um, even if then, you know, um, and it's kind of like, I think Karen touched on this as well. If you are um, wanting to go into affiliate or influencer marketing yourself, someone who has a Instagram or TikTok that is super niche and has that, you know, super specific audience, but maybe they only have 5,000 followers, that person is likely going to be a bigger affiliate, push more of an ROI for your brand than, um, I don't want to say a Kardashian because a Kardashian can do anything, but maybe just a general influencer who has a hundred thousand dollar or a hundred thousand dollar followers, excuse me. And we've actually seen that we've done that with a brand, you know, they really like this one influencer and, you know, they push for it. So we, we did it and she posted about it and crickets. She had wow. so many followers, just absolute crickets. 
But then instead we had, you know, five influencers who had a fraction of followers that she had and they pushed more product than she did. So small is not a bad thing. You know, niche is, is a good thing. That is really amazing. And that goes along with what I see on the e-commerce end as well. When we get the messaging and everything really specific, even if it might make it completely not applicable to others, it generates a lot more sales than when it's more of a general concept and all that. So that's really interesting to hear how that works in the influencer world as well. When a client comes to you and they're a new brand and they're like, how much is it going to cost? for me to do my first year of marketing with you? Like what kind of budget should they have? And I mean, like you had mentioned earlier, 2,500 a month for the influencer marketing, but that's just one piece of it. There's also like um, their investment with you. There's also investment in paid advertising. Like, is there kind of a budget range that you tell your clients when they come to you, like, listen, if you want to get this in front of people, you're looking at about this range. It's such a tough question uh, to answer, and but it's literally the question we get every single time. Um, and our answer is always, it depends. <laughs> so it depends on so many factors. Um, it depends on if you, you know, have the runway to invest for a year, if you, um, you know, have investment and capital coming in and you know that, you know, you need to, to scale your brand, um, at this point in time, if you, um, are launching your brand from inception, or if you have this, you know, runway of data. So, so many factors go into it. Um, we, if we need to give an answer, we'll say we recommend spending 20% of your revenue on, your marketing, that's just kind of a basis, you know, to, to slowly scale your brand, but also you really do need to understand that it's not just a one hit wonder where your first month you're going to be making a four X five X return. So when you go and talk to an agency or when you go to spend money on your brand for marketing, expect to have a six month to 12 month runway. I know that's a large range, but it's really going to depend on your niche and your branding and your messaging and your website and all these things. Um, but expect to have at least a six month, hopefully more of a 12 month runway of funds that you can commit to marketing alone. If you don't have that, then what's going to happen is you're just going to, you know, try something for a month and then say, and then pull back or try something else for a month and pull back. And channel marketing channels don't work like that. They need that longevity to really start optimizing. Um, you need to be testing to understand, you know, what hooks your consumer in, what's going to get them to buy. So when you do that kind of stop and start marketing, it's just shooting yourself in the foot. Um, so we really want brands to understand that, that this is going to be an investment and a long-term investment. Yeah. And something I'd love to add to that too. And I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Allison, but I think it was Sarah Delavan of the Good Food CFO. And what she said on a podcast when we were on with her was the first thing that she asks is she asks the founder, like what their goals are, like, what is even your intention with the brand, right? Are you trying to go public? Are you trying to sell it one day? Are you trying to make enough money to just sustain your family every month? And 
knowing that is going to be a huge indication of how much we recommend you be spending. So definitely know what your goal for the business is before you want to hire for this or before you want to spend any money and really think about what that can be in relation to your budget. Yeah. And just another thing to add, um, (laughs) they, I've heard this quote before and I don't know who said it, but now all brand owners or founders are content creators as well. Um, if you're not that type of person, you either have to be <laughs> like myself or you need someone, you need to hire someone or hire the agency to be the content creator. If you're an amazing writer, you know, spend your time writing really amazing email campaigns and creating email automations to indoctrinate and sell to your list. If you're that person that's great on video or you think you could be that person, spend your time making TikToks and Instagram videos uh, or reels and building community there. Um, So there are things that, you know, don't technically need an investment. They are free to do, but time is money. Um, So it's, you know, how much time do you have and do you really want to be doing this? I think that's really good advice and and advice that people need to hear. I think a lot of founders, they they like to the idea of not putting themselves on the forefront and not being a creator. And yeah, maybe then you need to figure out paying someone, but it's not something you can just push off. It's definitely something people need to think with as part of the business nowadays, if you want to really grow as much as possible. Actually, I was on a podcast last week with a company that is, he, it's a distillery And what they had suggested in the alcohol industry was that you need um, at least $100,000 for your first year um, for your marketing budget. I do want to give the people in this podcast an idea of like what that might look like for someone who's starting out. I know for alcohol, that's, you know, $100,000 and up. I've also heard similarly for a beauty product, would you say that's like a fair assessment or have you seen brands that were able to do it for smaller budget? And I just mean, when I mean like budget, I mean, including you, including the paid ads, including like everything that's going towards that marketing budget. Again, it depends the niche. It depends what the goals are. $100,000 for a year. I mean, that's less than $10,000 a month. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, if you're trying to ha- if you're trying to have a full funnel approach to your marketing and touch on all these channels that we're talking about, organic, paid, email, then yes, investing yeah, at least a hundred thousand. And if you can think of it in the way of salary, a hundred thousand dollars in this day and age is close to one person's salary. So are you going to be hiring one person to be doing all of this, or can you hire a few people here and there, a few agency help, some freelance help, some intern help, some contractor help and put it together. But $100,000 for a year is um, a pretty modest budget, I'd say. I think that's really helpful for, you know, brands to hear because so many times people think like, I'm going to start this brand. um, It's going to be wildly successful and they don't understand what it actually takes to like financially what it actually takes. And I think it's really important to understand that before you even start a business. It's the, um, if you build it, they will come quote, you know, if you build it, they are not going to just come, you know, like you launch your product and you're just like waiting, you know, it, it, you launch your product, you spend so much time, you spend so much money getting it put together. 
you have to also think about what happens next. And so I, I really like Lauren that you did say a hundred thousand dollars. I think that's a really fair assessment of, you know, what a brand needs to actually go full force on their marketing and actually make things happen. I think all of us here have seen those brands that weren't necessarily thinking fully about marketing or assuming that certain strategies would work that maybe weren't holistic and then they didn't pan out. Um, and then it's a whole relaunch essentially in order to get it off the ground. So I think that's a great thing to kind of think at least a year in the future. If you're brand new, it's kind of like, what can you afford or what capital are you raising? What do you want to do with your brand? Like Karen said, do you want to grow it or do you just want to chill and, you know, hang out? I don't know. <laughs> Coast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seems great. Yeah. And what would you say if you could um, name a few for those that might want to look at, you know, they don't have the whole holistic view that you guys do of all the marketing channels. What would you say are the most important ones people should focus on or make sure that their agency or their staff, if they have internal staff doing the marketing, where should they be focusing their attention on what channels? It depends on where your customers are living, right? And where they're hanging out. But as Lauren mentioned in our intro, we really follow what we call our core three method, which is organic social, paid social, and email marketing. And influencer marketing falls under organic social. So when it comes to organic, are they um, hanging out a lot on TikTok? Are they more Pinterest or are they on Instagram or are they a little bit older and they're on Facebook? So um, it depends where your customer is, but generally no matter what you want an email presence, you own that customer data. You can send whatever you want to whenever you want to, and no one can ever take those emails away from you unless they unsubscribe themselves. And then organic social, it's all about creating community. And the way to build a brand is to cultivate community and have people really believe not in not in, not in just your products, but in in you, in your brand, in the mission. And then advertising, getting the word out. You have to get it out somehow. Um, with influencer and advertising, both you're spending money in the hopes to you know generate some awareness and eventually conversions. So that is those are the channels that we recommend to most, if not all, consumer brands that we talk to. I think that's great. I mean, it, even to hear, it probably sounds kind of straightforward as you're saying it, but I know, especially for newer founders, you get hit with so many quote unquote opportunities of market over here, market over here, or spend here, spend here, that it can be really confusing rather than to just going back to, okay, who's your avatar and where are they and how can I reach them? I'm curious, like, what are your recommendations for those who want to grow their email list if they don't have one yet? And do you recommend ads to drive traffic to their list? Yeah, good question. And we love email marketing. Um, you know, we just talked about all the different channels for like awareness and bringing people into the funnel, but email marketing is just such a solid OG way to to get in people's, and you're literally getting right in front of people's faces, either on their phone or their computer, you're speaking directly to them. Um, it's a great way to educate and indoctrinate and sell. So I, that was just a quick, uh, my love for email marketing, but I will answer your question. Um, to get people onto your list for email, 
I mean, step one on your website is having a pop-up, which I'm sure Natalie knows all about that. So at least having a pop-up. So um, when they come to your site, uh, they, they browse for a little, maybe wait, you know, around five seconds. And then um, if they're not already on a product page, have a pop-up that says, hey, um, welcome to my company. If you'd like a welcome offer, sign up for 10%, get their email, get your, their phone number if you can, and then send them an email with that 10% offer. That's a great way to get someone on your list. Um, if you're in the CPG space. Now, if you're in like a different info product space, maybe you give them a lead magnet or something like that. You just want to be able to give them value in exchange for their information. That's that's all you need to think about with that. Um, so optimizing your website is really step one here. Um, step two, before you go out and gain all these new leads, just make sure that the customer experience once they're on your list is going to absolutely blow their mind, be delightful with email. So to do that, create different um, email automations. So once they join, you're telling them your story, your mission, um, why your product is different than everyone else. So don't just get people on your list and stop. You wanna make sure that that user experience is the best possible first. And then to go out and acquire these leads, um, absolutely, we run a ton of ads for our brands. We focus on usually optimizing the ads for purchases, um, but that means we know, um, you know, even if they don't purchase, they're going to get hit with that pop-up and generally often there. The reason we do focus so much on optimizing for sales is we know those leads are going to be a lot more qualified. Um, however, we do run uh, lead campaigns um, for newer brands just to get some people on that list and, and test out different types of customer avatars. Um, so you absolutely can use ads to gain leads. Um, and then, of course, building community through um, Instagram, um, through if you want to create a Facebook group, that's a great way to um, add leads to your list. That's, you know, a bit of a long game, but it pays off in the end. Um, so definitely don't overlook those, those channels um, and just, you know, try to run ads because those people who um, click on your ad are 100% going to look to see if you have a pulse on Instagram um, and even TikTok now. And if you don't, then they're going to not have that trust in your brand. So yeah, that's how you can add some list emails to your list. <laughs> Amazing. And, and what would you say as kind of like an over with all the experience you guys have and working with so many different brands, have you seen specific pitfalls that certain brands are more likely to run into in their marketing, whether it's for a product launch or for an existing brands already where you're like, okay, these mistakes we see very often. And I would recommend everyone against doing these particular things. Yeah, I, I'll start with this one. And this is probably one of the biggest ones and one that Allison and I see all the time is founders really getting in the way of their own success because they are either not willing to test things, they are holding on to things that 
do not matter and will not move the needle. Um, they are using their own personal judgment over data, um, their own personal opinions over data. And that is really hard. It's really hard to deal with because we understand this is their child, right? In a lot of ways, they have poured time, money, any, all kinds of resources, so much energy into their brands and having somebody come in and say, Hey, how about we test this? I can understand if they won't, if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. But I will say that more often than not, we, that is a huge factor in stunting a brand's growth is a founder that is not willing to test. And so that is something that we say in our discovery calls when we're having, when we're going back and forth with questions and we're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us. And it's, Hey, are you, are you willing to test things that, that you haven't done yet? Um, and hopefully they say yes. So being open-minded, is a huge, huge, huge quality to have as a founder. Wow. That is very eye-opening. And I can definitely imagine that, especially with marketing, since you really have to test the waters and you have to stay ahead of the curve of where everyone is at, ideally. And I have one last question for you guys. And I don't know, I don't know if you guys have a specific answer for this, but like, is there a ratio of influencer, but like amount of money that you're going to spend towards influencers versus, you know, paid ads and other things like that. I had recently spoke to somebody who said that they, uh, their recommendation was like 70% towards influencers and then 30% towards ads. How does that sound to you guys? Is that good advice or is it one, or is it a depends type of situation? We will say this with paid ads, if you're using meta um, and you're going after uh, sales, so conversions, um, we have minimum budgets generally for that um, because you do need at least 50 conversions a week to have optimized campaigns. So times that by four, you need 200 conversions in a month to optimize your campaigns. So that leaves a, just a little bit of wiggle room for you to have minimum budget. So we usually say anywhere from like 4,000 to 5,000 if you're going after sales campaigns. So you divide that by 200. That means your cost per acquisition needs to be pretty low, like around 20 or so dollars. Most brands, their average order value is going to be closer to 70 to $100. So um, you need that budget to actually optimize your campaigns. If you pull back, you're not going to have optimized campaigns. You're actually going to be spending a lot more to acquire a customer. So that's why we have minimum ad budgets. So for us, if we can't meet that minimum, then sure, go spend that money on influencer until you scale to the point that we can do things like that. Um, an influencer is really great because you are getting content that you can use multi-channel. The thing is, if you're not measuring the ROI with your influencers, then you know you don't you don't know. So 
we really like to have that, like Karen was saying, use the affiliate links, use, you know, some sort of tracking. So that would be my point, you know, if you want to start with influencers, sure. If you're not making a return, then it's time to reallocate that budget. We, we just want to use our budget in order to make the highest return possible. So of course we'll test it out. I, I don't know who said the, the 30% on ads, 70% on influencers, and I don't know what budgets they're working with. If that means that they are able to spend $30,000 on ads and the rest on influencers, then that's absolutely great. <laughs> Thank you for that explanation. Um, and then one last question, what can someone expect to uh, pay when working with, with someone like you? Yeah, and, and it's going to vary, right? Whether you want to hire in-house and you want to have an employee be on staff and be able to do a lot more in terms of, you know, it's very seldom that an employee will be like, oh, that's not my job that person's not going to be around for very long. <laughs> Whereas an agency, it's like, ah, that's out of our scope of work. We'll bill at our hourly rate. So there's pros and cons to a lot of this. But a, a major pro of agency is that you're going to get a lot of people for that lump price of one, right? And a lot of experts. You don't have to train them at all. You hire them to get the job done, they get done. Whereas if you hire in-house, there's going to be an element of training, most likely, depending on your budget. So... Working with us, we cater our scopes and statements of work based on what the goals are and what the client's budget is. So we can start as low as $2,500 a month for a really, really small scope of email, or we can go as high as $15,000 a month for full scope um, for email, social ads, influencer for everything. So it depends and it varies, but uh, depending on what you need, again, it goes back to that at least having $100,000 for the year forecasted for marketing support. Great. Wonderful. Ladies, thank you so much. This was amazing. You guys are a wealth of information. Um, we are so grateful for your time today. Natalie, do you have any other thoughts or questions or anything? I think you guys covered it all. This was really, really incredible. And like, I love how detail oriented your answers were. I feel like this is going to help so many people um, have a better trajectory and a better idea of what to tackle on their marketing end. So we really appreciate you. Thanks for having us, y'all. It was really nice. We love talking about marketing. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, awesome. thank you. And that's another episode of Entrepreneur Mind Speak. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.